Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Well, I just want to make sure that everybody's there. Uh, Malik, are you present and accounted for? Yes. How you doing? Woohoo! Okay. We fought through a few technical difficulties, but we finally made it here. Uh, I have the advantage slash disadvantage of being old. So I've had the chance to do things like see Doug Williams beat Living Daylights out of uh, Norfolk State in the rain uh, at a night game, which was a big deal just because. I'd never seen Grambling up close, and they were like Notre Dame to me in those days. They were such an impressive unit from everything, uh, from the command that the coaches had over the players to how big, strong, and fast Grambling was, even in, in those days. I mean, obviously, at their peak, Grambling could have played maybe whoever, Michigan State, Alabama, whoever you want to name, at their peak and giving them a run for money and possibly beating them, which is why nobody would schedule them uh, for a long time. Uh, even though Coach Robinson had friendships with a lot of well-known coaches from Blue Bear, Brian, he could never talk anybody into playing him. Uh, he didn't get a home-and-home, home, even though obviously some of these schools should have had every advantage you think of, but back in the 60s and into the early 70s, they knew better. They knew that... Uh, they might well get that work if they play Grambling at speed. And the same could be said of Johnson, of John Merritt, Tennessee State squad. The same could be said of many of, of Coach Gaither's, you know, the original Jake the Snake, uh, Jake Gaither's uh, unit with Sam U. Now, obviously, black college football is not what it once was. Not to say it's not so great, but it's not what it was. Obviously, you still had Robert Brazil and, you know, yeah, Carson, you had Donnie Shell, Mel Blunt, I mean, you know, Deacon Jones. I mean, you know, we could go on for an hour just naming names. You don't have that anymore. But you still have guys who deserve more love and attention than they receive. And it's frustrating, for me at least, uh, obviously an HBCU grad and a person who watches stupidly high hours of, of football tape still at this point uh, to see how few HBCU players are getting invited to things like the Combine and the Senior Bowl, and even things like the West Shrine Game. Mm. I know you, you know, you obviously haven't been doing this for, you know, the many decades that I have. However, you've been around long enough to see there's still some, some inequities there. So tell me about right. some of the people that you thought, you thought, didn't get maybe the opportunity at things like the Combine, Senior Bowl, that you think should have? Um, well, first off, I think the biggest snub, in my opinion, was uh, Montez Carter not being invited to the Combine. Um, I think that Carter is, I mean, well, first I look at it as, I think a lot of people looked at 
um, Tariq Cohen as, uh, you know, the guy that's like, quote-unquote, bringing back HBCU football. I have a problem with that. The one problem I have with that is that um, Chad Williams was actually picked before Tariq Cohen. And Chad Williams is once he gets the opportunity, I feel like he can he can develop into a player for the for the Cardinals. I don't have a problem with Tariq Cohen. I think that what he's doing is great. I think that uh, you know he brought a lot of exposure back to HBCUs, but I don't think that it falls on one player. I think that there are several players in the NFL right now who have had success at the HBCU level. Um, but I think that what I think that with Cohen being um, getting so much exposure is a good thing, but it, in a, in a sense, it really hasn't paid off as much as I thought it was because, you know, as you know, as we've already talked about, I don't feel like uh, Cohen and Carter uh, directly compare because they really don't. But in the sense of him being that playmaker type running back that uh, uh, change of pace back, but he, you know, he can play special teams. He can do a lot. Uh, they have some comparisons there. But I think that with all of the attention that was garnered uh, over him, you know, via Cohen and just, you know, uh, grambling with him and Kincaid just being phenomenal athletes, it was kind of disappointing for him to not be invited uh, to the combine. Uh, I felt like there were a lot of running backs. Well, not a lot, but I thought that there were some running backs at the combine uh, that had, you know, that uh, got invited to the combine because of the schools that they went to. Um, like Justin Jackson, who I thought had a, a solid career, but uh, I thought that he, he didn't really, he didn't really, he, he's not really going to, I mean, he didn't really, he wasn't in a position to, to really break out from the combine. I, I felt like he, he tested as he tested as I thought he would test. I don't, you know, I don't think he. I think with the combine that there's 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 not enough of uh, players given the opportunity to to really raise their stock. Most of uh, most of these guys, I feel like, you know, they're 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 not really tethering the you know the scale too much. But back strictly to the HBCU topic, um, it's kind of di- like I said, it's kind of disappointing. Um, Carter, for one, I thought that uh, Trent Cannon, Anthony Filiar, a couple of guys who, you know, I thought that they should have been invited to the Senior Bowl. I liked the fact that Danny Johnson was in the Senior Bowl. I felt like, especially Trent Cannon, I felt like, I thought that um, he he certainly should have been invited to the Senior Bowl. I thought that he certainly should have been invited to the Combine. I think that um, the lack of uh, defensive players invited to all of these events is is an issue. Um, Ebenezer Okendiku, uh, a couple of guys. I mean, it's, it's a few guys, but I feel like you know, right now with the, with the HBCUs, it's you know when the guys that are looked at are looked at, it's it's majority skill players, uh, majority offensive guys that can you know that can probably play special teams, uh, you know. Uh, versatile uh, running backs, you know, wide outs, uh, slot wide receivers. These are trends that I've seen through the last couple of years. I'm really happy to see Brandon Parker get uh, from North Carolina A&T uh, get some exposure because I've been watching him for a while. I don't think he allowed a sack his entire career at, at A&T. 
Um, I th- and, he, and I thought he had a, a pretty decent uh, outing in the senior bowl practices. The game, he was, a, he was a, you know, he was, a, he was uh, somewhat inconsistent in the game, but I feel like overall he's going to be a good player. He just needs to be coached up by the right coach. Uh, but overall, I think that we, we, you know, I think we had uh, three uh, players invited to the combine. I made a list of uh, players invited to the Shrine Bowl, Collegiate Bowl, Senior Bowl. It's 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 never a consistent number. I feel like for the, considering these things are, you're inviting 65 players, 60 65 players. You got combine with what is it, 200 plus, 300 plus players. I I think it's a crime to to have this small number of players from HBCUs. I mean, at the end of the day. You know, it's, it's it. I mean, it's it's players coming from you know, the most asinine schools, D one schools. They're getting two and three guys. You know, so it's like, you know, you got a school like North Dakota who had um uh, uh Jake Winnicky and uh and and Dallas Goldert. They're they're on the map now. You know, so it's like, you know, for those schools to have those type of guys uh, get exposure. And you can find these guys. You can dig these guys up from these schools like this. You could do the same thing at HBCUs. We forget that Isaiah Crowell was uh, came um, spent uh, spent his last season at HBCU. There are several guys in the league right now that uh, came from HBCUs, and it was two years ago that we just honored the NFL just honored uh, their HBCU Hall, HBCU Hall of Famers at the Super Bowl. So it's like you know, is and then you got this documentary that you you got you just dropped on NFL Network, um, you know. So it's like you're 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 dangling in front of our face, but you're not really, you know, taking the you're not making the push to say, okay, well, you know, let's really recognize the talent here because there there has been a surplus of guys that have came out of the HBCUs and have performed well. And last year we saw a lot of HBCU guys taken undrafted as well. Um, uh, Jalen Ware, that's on the Raiders. Uh, Jessamine Dunker. There's been, it's been, there's been a few. It's been quite a few. Uh, it's, it's, it's like it's on one side of the media we get like, okay, this is this breakout talent from HBCUs, and then it's on the other side it's like, okay, well, this is a a once in a lifetime talent coming out of HBCU. I mean, we got Brandon Parker getting a lot of publicity. But Bowie State had, uh, you know, Bowie State had one of the best offensive lines in, in, in college, well, in in terms of HBCUs. I mean, there's, there's a, I mean, it, it, it's, it's clearly inconsistency that we're seeing from the NFL year by year in terms of uh, players not only invited to these events, but just given the exposure and, and drafted um, all in all. So it's somewhat frustrating. Yes, well, I don't have a problem with inviting Dallas Goddard. I don't have a problem with inviting Jake Winnicky. I don't have a problem with inviting Demario Richard. That's where my issue is. We were talking about running back. Okay, here's a guy who was never more than a committee back in college, runs a 4-7, 12 right. bench press, four nine and a half vertical, right, a 115 broad jump at 5'9 and 218 pounds. This guy who at best best might be a special teamer, maybe. 
That's my issue. My issue isn't inviting good players from anywhere. That's what the combine's for, is inviting average players from big schools is where I have an issue. If you're inviting guys like you're just going to fill out the number, like, oh, we, we have room for one or two more, let's get some semi-okay running back from some big school X. That's where I have an issue, or some semi-okay offensive guard from big school X as opposed to another really good player from anywhere. I'm never going to complain about you bringing in a good player from anywhere. I don't care where they come from. I care about if they're good enough. When you're inviting in these guys who are literally nothing special, who were never even the man, never even the guy, right? Right. And, you know, these are guys who were just sort of in the mix. I mean, hey, I love Chris Warren's dad, right? Watch them all throughout his career, starting first at University of Virginia, finishing up at Parham, right, small school, sort of, at least part of his, his collegiate career. But Chris Warren is, you know, he's big, and he's got kind of a big name being the son of Chris Warren. Chris Warren is the second or third or whichever he is. But, and he's, you know, decent size. But you're talking about a guy who's likely to project a fullback, which means four or five jobs, maybe six jobs in the NFL still around for a true fullback. But this is a guy who's right. 6'2", 247 pounds, one of the 469, which at that size is embarrassing, but it's still not scintillating. Doesn't do 25 bench reps, so he's fairly strong. 3-inch three, three for a 121 broad, 6983 gun was decent for you know, a guy his size. 4-1-8, a short shuttle, and a 12-03, 60 yards long shuttle. My issue is, what's he going to be at best? At best, he's a short yardage goal line guy, maybe an H-back or fullback conversion. When you're bringing right. in bad guys who are basically backups or, or depth, right? They're going to always bring in some Alabama defensive line who's got 14 snaps a game every year. Gets the combine. Blows my mind. And that guy, is he going to become a guy who gets more than 14 snaps at the NFL level? I'll bet you he doesn't. So even if he hangs around the league for a few years, which some of these guys do, Brandon Dedrick, I'm looking at you, and some of these other guys, they hang around the league as a backup five technique or a backup zero or a backup three technique for a couple of years and then go off and do whatever with the rest of their lives. I don't begrudge them being what they are, but what do we learn about them at the combine? We learn to say, oh, that's why they were backups because they should have been a backup. I want right. to see the guys I want to see the guys that we don't already have a pretty darn good idea of what the team is. So I'm never gonna begrudge them bringing I'll get to bring in a hundred guys from the same school, if they're all good enough. If they're all good enough, bring it on. My issue comes, my problem comes, when you're talking about guys who are just kind of there, hey, Justin Jackson, I have no problem with him. He, he tested fairly well. He was an extremely productive running back. He, he was clearly the man in the running game at Northwestern for basically his entire collegiate career. That guy earned it. Brilliant. I have no problem with that. My problem is, is these guys who have a handful of starts, or in some cases, no starts, and were, you know, down the depth chart at, you know, big school X, and you just bring them in because, because, as far as I can tell, it's because. Some of them, some of them not major. They bring in this guy just because. I don't have a problem with any player who was an outstanding player. So my issue is with the guys who were just kind of missed. 
hey, I love Temple University. My parents, I would not exist if it weren't for Temple University. My parents met while they were graduate students at Temple University. I am a big supporter of the Temple Athletic Program. However, Sean Chandler, who is nothing special on tape, shows up 6 feet, 190 pounds, from beautiful Camden, New Jersey, runs a 465, 40-16, but a 34.5-inch vert, which is almost exactly my personal best back when I was in some semblance of physical shape. Uh, 119 <laughs> guard depth, a 4.62. That is the worrisome thing, a 4.62 free throw. You can sort of survive in the world as a 4.65 base, especially if you're playing strong side. The issue comes if you also aren't very quick. And one right. thing is the guy who probably hang around as a late rounder, maybe become a reserve DB and a special teamer. He's a mentally tough guy. He's dealt with adversity. He's a four-year starter, uh, really good against the run game, a good tackler. Right. But, but he has nothing, I mean, there's really nothing special about it. There's literally nothing special about it. He is one of those guys that is such a, you know, tough guy and a smart guy. And, you know, hang around for a couple of years some kind of way just because he's, you know, tough-minded and tough and all that, all that stuff, gritty and all those, all those great football ideas. He's got all of it. But he's not special at anything in any way. So that's the guy. That's the issue that I have. It's not bringing in too many players from a particular conference or a particular school. I have no problem with that. If they're good enough, they're good enough. I don't have a problem with bringing in – Guys who are productive. I don't problem with bringing in guys who have some really odd special quality, even if they weren't great all-around players. So I prefer you bring in great all-around players. But I can understand if somebody has one special gift, aspect, talent thing that really intrigues you. But when a guy is just kind of average at literally everything, and what is mind-blowingly productive, there's my issue. If a guy has no special quality, no special, no something that demands that you see more of him, his tape is just okay. And the thing, like especially if a guy was a non-starter, right? These guys who they bring him from the SEC, who were the deaf guys in college, on the what the off chance that they're going to somehow manage to when they're going to, there's only one thousand five hundred sixty jobs to be had in the NFL. I go empty the league out every year, right? Only about. 8 to 12% turnover. That means there's 200, 150, 200 jobs available, maybe, each year. You're telling me that this guy is better than all but 150, 200 guys in the NFL. That's what you, that's what you should at least be considering if you're bringing someone to the combine. This guy has a legitimate shot to be better than at least 150, 200 guys who are currently in the NFL. If a guy can't pass that test, don't bring him to the combine. That's how I right, think. and I agree. I I definitely agree with that. Um, another thing is, uh, if, I mean, we if we really look at if we look at what we have currently in the NFL in terms of players from HBCUs, it's really widespread. It's not just the powerhouses. Um, you got probably the most notable punter in the league, black or white, in terms of of uh I don't want to say fame, but he's you know, he's notorious. I mean, and he's a pretty damn good punter in Marquette King, who comes from Fort Valley State. I mean yep. so it's like, you know, you gotta you got I think um I, I remember reading on the undefeated 
that uh, I want to say South Carolina State, yeah, South Carolina State had the most uh, HBCU players of any of any uh, of any institution to start the 2016 season. It's it's you know you got guys coming from all corners of the country. Well, you know we, we don't really have too many HBCUs in the West, but we got you know from all over the country really. And then, you know, you got a school like Tennessee State that not only in football but just sports period has been one of the most pivotal HBCUs of all time. But uh, long story short, I mean, you got a, you got a great uh, group of uh, players in the NFL right now that are coming from an abundance of HBCUs. So that was, in my mind, that would make me say, hey, you know, I don't have to just go to uh, Grambling, A&T, uh, uh, well, Gremlin A and T Southern to find my talent. You know, I can go to Hampton, Chris Baker. I can go to South Carolina State, Javon Hargrave. I can go to. I mean, you know, I can go. I mean, there's a couple of places I can go. I mean, you got uh, like I said, Tennessee State. You got Dominic Rogers, Camardi. Um, uh, I mean, there's there's a range of places that you can get talent. You know. And if you can, you know, if you can go to, I mean, I just have an issue with the, with the whole, I mean, like you said, listen, if players are talented, they're talented. It doesn't matter where they're coming from. But my issue is that the same way you find that talent and take a chance on the talent uh, from the, we've seen last year uh, a pretty, a pretty, you know, a, a, a film guy that, you know, stuck out on film, really small Eric Salbert, tight end Eric Salbert. I feel like if you, you know that was he was the widespread, you know his he, his name spread like wildfire amongst draft twitters and people in the know and you know um, you know and it and it helped him uh, raise his stock. Uh, you know eventually he, his name got out there, but you know I think when you can find a guy like that at a little school like that, that you can do the same thing for these agents. And it's been proven because you have guys that are, you know, not only Hall of Famers, you know, from the past, you know, but right now we have guys that are, you know, producing on teams, you know. So I think that, I mean, I think that, I, you know, that's my issue. You know, I would like to see a good number of HBCU players overall just get more shine, more attention, more opportunities at these bowl games. Uh, you know, I, I I brought up Martez Carter, but I think Trent Cannon, to me, is another, is another guy that, you know, I'm not really sure, you know, about his future as strictly a running back at the next level. But I think that he's another guy that's a phenomenal athlete. Devontae Kincaid is another one who I feel like with the right help, he can be a decent quarterback, uh, but he's just a phenomenal athlete overall. I think if you're talking about athletes, that's one guy I would, you know, I thought that he would have, you know, I thought he would have, he would have did pretty well at the combine, just as a pure athlete. You know, if he, you know, you give him an opportunity to throw, you know, that's one thing, but it did, the film doesn't lie. I mean, he's a, he's a phenomenal athlete. Um, you know, so it was it was it was kind of disappointing not to see, to see him, him or his teammate there, and just for the HBCUs to be represented by three players. And I, you know, like you said, I mean, 
listen, I mean, is it a, is it a thing where we're just filling out the list here or, or what? Because, I mean, there's, there's plenty of talent here. And if you can, you know, a lot of times you just, you know, a lot of, I feel like a lot of times these teams are content with that because they'll be able to get these guys as undrafted free agents. Um, but I, I, I think it is a disservice uh, uh, in terms of, you know, not only, you know, just not, uh, you know, not really giving uh, it's proper, these guys their proper due, but also in terms of, you know, going back to recruiting-wise and just um, morale for black athletes coming up, um, making their college choice. I think when you get to the point where you have, you know, you know, five and six, three Coleman's and Chad Williams and et cetera, getting drafted uh, per round or you know, you know, per night, uh, well, per day in a the draft. Then you, you know, you you'll see more of a sway. You know, I think that we need, in terms of HBCU, especially football, we need as much, you know, as much productivity at the next level as possible, and just seeing that and seeing that you know, hey, why, you know, why go to, you know, a school like Alabama or, or you know, or, or you know, uh, Clemson or whatever? Why not be that person that says, hey, I want to, you know, this is my choice. I want to stay here I, or I want to go to the Howard. I want to go to whatever. And I'm a three-star, four-star, five-star I can go and change the culture here. I can be somebody. I can really. I can be the next Steve McNair. I can put Alcorn State on the map. I can put whatever institution it is. So you know, I'm. I'm just. That's you know. That's. I'm a big dreamer in terms of seeing that come into fruition again, and you know, just more pride in playing for HBCUs, and and then you know more. You know more. Uh, you know, a better relationship between the NFL and these schools. Yeah, well, what would be interesting to me to see, now obviously Kayla Newton is much smaller, both in terms of his physical stature and and just his talent. I mean, he's talented, but he's not Cam, obviously, in a bunch of ways. Right. But you actually see what happens if Kayla Newton continues to improve. And, you know, he's got to be, the comparisons for him actually be closer to Baker Mayfield than to his brother, but he's a guy who has a lot of the same same qualities that made Baker Mayfield special: quick release, above average arm strength, a good at good but not exceptional athlete, but a really decisive, smart quarterback. Uh, right. Of course, you know he, he got he got several more years to put him. But here's where what things that sort of stick out to me: if a guy like Orlando Beals goes to Tulane, right? Mm-hmm. He's at the combo. With his size and speed combination and a pretty darn productive receiver, Nolando Veal is the guy that you're looking for, especially since this particular draft class doesn't have a lot of receivers that have both at size and speed. There are size receivers, right. there are speed receivers. There's only one, a couple of size and speed receivers. That's why Cortland Sutton is a guy that's being pushed up the board because you want a few six three plus two hundred and fifteen plus pound guys who can run in the whole right. draft. Uh, that's why people start getting interested in this kid Julio Scott from uh, New Mexico State. Yeah, because they can actually run a little bit. There's not many of those guys in this class. 
So, Nolando Hills, if he was at the combine, I think he would have gone with that. He would have gone down and blow himself a stock guy. Aaron Tiller. I think yeah. if he plays more of Aaron Tiller and he's not just go to the combine, he's not just go to the senior bowl, we will be talking about the guy who, who helped himself. I think he would have run in the mid below 4'7 at, you know, 260-something pounds, high 250, low 260. I think he would have knocked out 22, 23 bench reps. I think he would have jumped about 34, 35 inches. I think he would have had a good all-around day at the combine. And I think he would have been like, oh, you know, would have quote-unquote sent them back to the tape as they like to say. Um, as you mentioned, offensive line, this is actually a pretty darn good year for, for HBC offensive linemen. That kid, Ibrahim, uh, who's the other Grambling offensive lineman that uh, impressed me? Uh, Probably had to kick inside the guard because he's like six foot three ish, which is too short to play uh, tackle in the NFL. But he, name, oh, it'll come back to me. But <laughs> this, is, this is a year where people are desperate to tackle. This is a terrible tackle class. And right. I mean, there's no, too, you know, sugarcoating it. So. The guys that do look like something, like that Colton Miller kid, he's, he's going to go way earlier than he probably had any good to as in case you're wondering, because people are so desperate for anyone who possibly play left tackle. And there are a couple of guys. Now, Brandon Parker, I like him just fine, but he, he's, he doesn't have the quickness to play left tackle at the NFL level. Trenton Scott, thank you. Um, Trenton Scott's probably going to have to kick inside, so I really like his tape. Uh, let's see. Staying with the offensive line group, there's a kid. Oh, Ben Baptiste is a guy that looks good on tape to me. One of the other problems with the kick inside, I think he's also probably in that six foot three range. Um, I'm trying to remember. There's one or two other. There's a couple more. Um, when I look at these guys on tape, mm. what I see is that, especially since, as has been pointed out, you know, there's a, like I said, a huge hole, I don't know how else to put it, a problem, a, um, an issue, whatever term you want to use, at the tackle spot. I would right. literally be looking at anybody and everybody who, oh, oh, Victor Tomba. That's the Bowie State that I remember, right? I think that's his name. Uh, there, there's a few. He's, once again, he's a, he's a guard, but he's a big old guy. Um, I think the kid legitimately took three, three quarters, something like that, and about 334 pounds. And he's a straight up road grader. I mean, you if you want to be a power run team, you just want to lean on people all day long. You want Victor Thompson Jr. Um, if he once again, if he goes to Georgia, the exact same process, but he goes to Georgia, he's at the combine. Uh, let's see, if there's some other guys that, that sort of jumped out at me as uh misses right. or whatever she used. Oh, there's a few others. So there was another kid. Yeah, Trenton Cannon, obviously. Even if you don't think he's a full-on running back, he sure as heck is going to help you in special teams. Uh, I think that 
Jeremy Taylor, the NCAA and C kid. Um, mm, yes, 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 yes. Right? Uh, yes. Another guy that I see probably would help himself. Um, My only... Yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm, I'm thinking of some more that you haven't said. Uh, I mean, it's always, you know, I, I, like you said, with um, I, I, I always find myself watching the combine or watching, you know, pro days and stuff, and and thinking, okay, well, this HBCU guy, like you said, he if he had this opportunity, he could have got, you know, raised his stock here or, you know, whatever the case may be. And it, you know, it's always unfortunate. I mean, I, mean, I find myself doing that yearly. Uh, I, I think that it's a, I think it's a matter of getting, getting the networks to understand. Well, first off, I, you know, I, I, I have, a, I've been going back and forth thinking about how the HBCUs themselves can garner more attention. Uh, I think that, especially coming off of. The uh, success of the you know affirmation players, I think that you know schools like Grambling and uh, Southern, et cetera, they need to find a way to uh, capitalize on their on their successes and the attention that they've gotten. Um, yeah, it's just overall, I just I just I, I man, I'm still I'm still trying to think of some other guys that I, I can't think of right now. Oh, Brandon Parker. I, I do want to say that I'm 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 happy to see that Danny Johnson has had a pretty a pretty good combine um, coming off his Senior Bowl. I thought he I thought he did pretty good in the Senior Bowl. Had a little bit of issues the first day of a uh, Senior Bowl practice, but in terms of the game, he got it together. Uh, he had a pretty good combine. Um, you know, so in terms of defense, he's probably my favorite HBCU guy on defense going into the next month and uh, two weeks. You know, I think he, I think he did a good, a good deed in terms of helping himself out. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm a fan of Danny Johnson. I'm wondering, you know, I think he's going to have to put on a few pounds in terms of trying to play. Uh, inside at the next level. But I think that he's gonna be a solid all around athlete. Um, you know, I'm just I'm just really, you know, really excited. I I always get excited for drive time, trying to, you know, think of seeing uh scenarios where this guy, you know, especially the HBCU guys where he can go, who who might draft him, why would they draft him in this position or whatever the case may be, so you know, right now I'm just going through the motions of just trying to see, you know, especially with these pro days coming up, you know, how many of our guys can we get on the field? Because, you know, we've seen, you know, the the, the like you said, the probability of getting an NFL job and better yet, you know, making it out of camp, making it to a year, making it to five years, it's so slim, you know, and it's it's like, you know, if that's the case, everybody should really get a chance. I mean, everybody. You know, yeah. I, you know, that's just how I feel about it. Well, I'll mention somebody that had a pretty good day at Alabama's pro day, and that's Osmond Thompson from uh, Tuskegee. Measured okay. in at 212 pounds, ran in the mid to low four sixes, 
Um, I, I believe he had a 54 and a half inch vertical, and I think he did a full workout, 18 bench reps. Um, you know, a guy that showed up and showed out to a certain extent. And I think that the question with him, once again, is what position was it playing at the NFL level? Yeah. But he's been at 6 feet and 212, and he's played linebacker pretty much his whole collegiate career. But he's dropping the coverage some, and, you know, he's showed him cover tight ends and running backs, showed him cover even some slot receivers. The way the game is played now, there's more demand than ever for that guy who is your, your dime linebacker, your nickel linebacker, your you know, guy who's on third safety or whatever you want to call him. There's a space for that guy in the NFL now, so he's timed it right. 20 years ago, he would have been a special teams only guy, but now the guy who's turned 15, turned 10. I mean, look at what Malcolm Jacobs just did for the, for the Eagles, right? He played something like 15% of his snaps as a slot corner. He played something like 20% of his snaps as a strong safety, and the rest of them as essentially an extra linebacker. You know, so the league has changed, at least for that player, for that guy with that skill set, uh, has changed in such a way that it helps him. It's better for him than it would have been in the past. There's a place for that guy. So that's a guy that I think would have probably done himself some good if he had a chance to show out at the combine. Obviously, Darius Leonard did get his opportunity, which I'm, as you mentioned, very, very pleased about. Um, what do you think of Duamonte Johnson from Grambling, the other Grambling uh, DB? You still there, Malik? Well, hopefully you're still there. Um, once again, another one of those guys who's sort of your, your, your classic slot defender. I think that the way the game is played now, there's opportunities for him. He is small. There's no choice around it. Probably five, eight and a half or something. And, you know, maybe, maybe 176 pounds on a good day. But he's a player. Quick, good ball skills. Despite the fact he's the biggest kid in the world on blue extra toughness. And like I said, I think there's a, a spot for him, a place for him in the way the game is played now. And I think he's another guy that probably would have ran, ran well. And if he were at some of the senior balls, he would have showed up well in terms of 
Hollywood have hung and cut or some things like that. I think that would have probably been a good situation for him as well. I don't know if you've muted yourself by accident or something. I'm going to just double check. Because if you're speaking, I'm not hearing you. Well, I'll just plow forward, and hopefully, uh, Monique, if you've lost this, you'll be able to get your way, find your way back in. But that's another player. Like I said, Diamante Johnson stood out to me as a guy that I think would have shown up well, looked well, and improved his, uh, his work. Getting back to the offensive lineman, once again, a, a position of weakness in this particular group, uh, Gerald Wright from Howard. That's another guy that I think would have probably had a pretty good day for himself. As you mentioned, the Howard offensive line group is a pretty stout one. Uh, Gerald White's a big kid, probably about 6'3 and a half, about 312 or so pounds, with pretty good feet. And I think he would have fit right into a nice group of, of interior linemen, which is a, a pretty impressive group of of, of talented interior linemen. I think he would have held his own right there somewhere in that group. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of who else to toss in there that I think would have... Uh, well, I'll stick with offensive linemen. Tuskegee uh, Leeward Brown is another guy that I think would have would have shown up uh, and looked good there. A, a, Tulsa, a Tulsa transfer and you know, once again, a kid with a uh, with good size. There was a lot of excitement from him when he went from you know Miami, where he went to high school, I think, or Hollywood, I guess, Florida. Uh, was originally at one point a, a Miami Hurricanes commit, I believe. So, pretty highly rated, pretty darn good player, and you know, did not disappoint at all. Uh, Miami Gardens, I guess, is the town to be exact. But didn't didn't uh, disappoint at all when he got to Tulane. Played early, played off, and played well. And let's see. Actually, I think he might just be a redshirt junior, or maybe actually maybe he may still have another year or two of eligibility. I have, to, I have to circle around and check on that. But I think he may actually not, not even be draft eligible this year. Uh, but Kenyon Brantley from Alcorn is 
That's another guy I think uh, it's really worth keeping an eye on at the very, very least. Let's see. So size is the main issue. Um, was listed only 281 pounds. I know he moved well, extremely well. Um, I've seen him. Ah, you there, Malik? Maybe, maybe not. But um, he moves well. He moves extremely well. But I hope he's a little heavier than listed. Obviously, that'd be another thing I would know if he's been at the combine or senior bowl or whatever, any place where they'd have some official height weight uh, measurements done. I would then, you know, know definitively what his size is or is not. Uh, yet another one of the things that we, we don't know when a guy doesn't get invited to the combine, we're always guessing at least a little bit about just how big a kid actually is or is not. But extremely athletic, which I guess you would expect with a small lineman. I think he might surprise people with just how powerful he is as well, despite the fact he's not the biggest kid in the world. You know, you have to be doing the right kind of scheme if you're going to have a guy that's under 300 pounds and probably 6 million change. But if you can teach him to play center, take advantage of his athletic ability, and, you know, maybe you get him up to 302 pounds. I mean, there are some centers on the smaller side. I mean, it should be pointed out, Jeff Saturday was a guy that played almost his entire career at right around 296 or so pounds. Playing center isn't always about size, particularly if you're in a scheme that prides, prides you know, puts a lot of uh, emphasis on movement at the center position getting a snap off and then getting off the most reach block. I mean, we saw some of the things that getting back to, to Kelsey, right? Um, look at some of the things that Jason Kelsey did for the Eagles. Once again, on the smaller side, not as small as this young man, but on the smaller side of the NFL centers. And just such a really tremendous foot athlete, though. I mean, the guy gets out there and makes some of the most amazing reach blocks you can imagine on guys you, don't, you wouldn't even think he could get to. And he gets to their, not even to get to them, he gets to their outside shoulder. Amazing. Amazing what Kelsey does. He's really one of the most important players in their team. And as long as he plays at a high level, that team is going to be trouble for people. But those are all guys that, that come to mind for me right away when I think of guys who would have been tremendously helped by the opportunity to be at the combine and, you know, gain some recognition, be seen. and. I guess there's a couple more I'll talk about. The quarterback class, I mean, Danny Etling's there. I mean, that tells you most of what you want to know, right? Danny Etling, that Danny Etling, right? Purdue slash LSU Danny Etling. I would love to have seen uh, young Mr. Lawrence Footman as well as the aforementioned Mr. Kincaid from Grambling at least to get an opportunity to, even if they weren't, part of the quote-unquote invitee quarterback, even if they just came down as quote-unquote throwing quarterbacks, I think the ability to at least be tested, measured, and have teams see them and speak to them a little bit would have been helpful. And I don't know how you feel about that, but, you know, worked out for Tony Romo and some other guys. I don't – are you still there, Emily? Can you hear me? Well, I don't know if you can or can't. 
But if you can't, um, and for some reason I cannot hear you because I have, you are unmuted. So at least on my end, you're unmuted. Uh, if necessary, you can drop off and dial back in. We're only going to go a few more minutes, but if you are still available, I'd like to finish up strong, as they say. And then let's touch on a few other guys, like I said, that I I think might have uh, it might have been good for them. I'll let's see what happens with Amir Hall next year. Hopefully, he will get an invitation to play at a high level. We already talked about Trent Cannon, uh, Timothy Gardner of Alcorn is another guy that I would like to have seen get his opportunity. Maybe at the senior bowl, maybe. But he's once again in a, in a place where people are desperate, 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 desperate for offensive tackles. Here's a guy that has been good about not allowing sacks. He's got sufficient size. I think maybe just a fraction of an inch under six foot five, but darn close to it. I know that scouts have been there to watch him during practice. You know, he possesses enough size. I recently um, started his career at Indiana, and he perfectly honest, underachieved. I don't know how else to put it, but has matured. I understand he's gone from being a guy that wasn't very hardworking to a much harder worker. He's got quickness. He could play either guard or tackle, is my understanding. You know, and a guy that, uh, you know, now apparently has that screwed on straight and has enough ability, you know, enough talent uh, to get NFL attention. And, you know, except the body that you, you want, you know, over 300 pounds, apparently either 6'5 or maybe just a fraction of an inch below it, and a mover, you know, a guy who's got some some twitch, as they now like to say. Those are the things you look for. So that's a guy that has made made my all underappreciated team. I believe that in this rather weak class of of tackles, he's a guy that could have could have made some noise if he had his opportunity and if he had been invited. And then I'll mention one other. I mentioned Beals previously. I have a big fan of Orlando Beals. The other uh, quote unquote skill position, wide receiver, ball handler, whatever term, uh, wide receiver that I think would have been helped by getting invited there would be uh, Kadero Hodge from PVAMU from Prairie View A&M University. I think that his combination of size and speed and uh, you know everything that he brings to uh, the table would have allowed him to at least be getting some, you know, some talk, getting some attention. You know, I think that uh, that's a guy that would have would have done well in that setting, yeah, at a senior bowl or at a um, you know a combine setting. I think he would have styled himself as a guy worthy of worthy of, of attention, worthy of being watched. Those are some of my guys, and I don't know. I guess I don't know if, if you can hear me. I cannot currently hear you, 
but I'll just throw, throw those guys in there. If you, anyone else you can think of, anyone else that leaves to your mind, if you're able to make yourself known. Um, let's see. I'm going to try one last thing to see if I can figure out how I So let me see if I can figure out something here. You are there. Maybe. Okay. Well, apparently you can't hear me, or I can't hear you, or one of you, one of those. But uh, I will just sort of finish off with some of the guys that, like I said, I think would have been been helped and uh a tiny teeny little dude but super super quick and Brandon Britton, uh Bowie State and he's another one of those guys that probably would come up just a little shy of five foot seven. But lightning quick, pretty good hands. I think he would have just torn up the three cone. And you know, fun watch. Uh it's hard to you know, hard to, other than size, which he simply lacks, but other than size, it's hard to think of anything else that, uh, you know, it's hard to think of anything else to sort of take shots, basically. I mean, he's got everything else other than being big. Uh, he's, I think he's both quick and fast. And, you know, obviously he's going to be mostly a special teams guy at the next level. There's not too many people can convince to to let a guy play outside at that size. But as I mentioned, he's a guy that I like and I think would have would have shown out, would have looked good, would have done good things and made people pay attention for that way of putting it if he had been invited to you know, maybe not the senior bowl, but East West Shrine or NFLPA. And you know, obviously in a combine that had a lot of speed at certain positions, one of the places where they didn't really have a tremendous amount of position uh, speed was actually the, the wide receiver group, where they had a few guys with speed, but mostly they were little guys. And then a lot of, uh, like I said, the bigger guys didn't have that much speed. But I I think he would have given you some quickness in in in, in high dosages. I'll say that much about Brandon Britton. I think he would have used team quickness in, in high dosages if he had indeed been invited. He's he's a fun watch. You know, another one of those guys that they say, you know, quicker than a hiccup and water bug and all those other terms that people throw out there. He's he's all of those things. And like I said, he would have a great three cone. He would have a, a tremendous um uh short shuttle. You know, I think he's one of those guys that would have Probably an okay 40, but would have just destroyed the agility testing. At least based on what I've seen of them on tape. Uh, those are guys that, that left out to me.
You know what? I will throw out one other guy. Um, Jazz Cosby from St. Augustine. He's a guy that I I think, if indeed he gets in the right pro day situation, uh, would have loved to have seen him at the combine. Would have loved to have seen him get to NFL PA or, or East West Shrine. But I think his combination of, of size and speed, and though he's not, you know, a fully finished product by even the widest stretch of the imagination, I think he might have shown enough that some team would have definitely liked him, if not as a late-round drafted guy, that as a priority undrafted free agent, and the kind that I think, like I said, would actually stick uh, once he, you know, once he got where he's going. He's probably legitimately six two and three quarters or so, about two hundred and seventy eight pounds. Sort of puts you in mind of um, guys like Turk McBride, if that's a name that you might remember. One of those guys that's sort of a a little bit of a tweener in terms of the um, a little bit de tackle, a little bit the end. Probably not quite long enough to be. Um, you know, be a full-on, you know, full-time three-tech, even if he did put on some weight, but a guy that I think could be tossed inside in special rush packages and could then play outside other times. You know, so that's a guy that that I am a uh, a fan, I guess is the term I'm looking for. Uh, I would qualify that as saying that he's someone I've I've enjoyed watching and hope that he gets an opportunity somewhere. You know, he certainly seems like someone who who has enough of things to look for that just a place for him somewhere in the league. Enough size, enough strength, enough speed. You know, enough of those things that I think is a he should have a chance. Um, let me see. Is there anyone else? That's legitimately a uh, nub. Here's what I will say. I do believe that Given the um, I just remind myself sort of where some of these guys I think have red shirt years that they did use. So Lee Allen Clark may be a red shirt junior. I think that's what he is. Okay, I'm gonna I'm going I'm bringing some changes. I know he is a uh a guy who spent two years at Northwestern State and then transferred. I think one of those years was a redshirt year. So he may just be a redshirt junior. So next year would be his year. So I'll be interested to see what happens with him. One other guy that I will make mention of I just have to remind myself. 
Kia, the senior, Derek Tate from Bowie State. I'm almost certain he is a senior. And things I miss about him, once again, you know, people use terms like rangy a little too much, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's an overused term. However, however, in this particular case, he's played, you know, at times, despite the fact that I think he's about 217 pounds, they've actually played him at times as a uh, and now is he a junior or a double check. He may also have a year of eligibility left. Which is good, because he should put on some weight. You'd be a playing linebacker as opposed to playing the end. Uh, he could definitely afford to be a little heavier than he has been, but he definitely shows up on tape. He's been productive. Uh, obviously, a guy that doesn't, you know, fight blocks directly most of the time and wisely uh, does not do so. But once again, shows you, you know, some of the qualities that you would would want to see. Uh, like I said, most kind of linebacker role. Uh, though I've seen him certainly play, like I said, play play DM. You know, I've seen him face tight ends and tackles and handle them, uh, you'd prefer him as an actual full-time linebacker. But if you are still there, uh, this is me thanking you, Malik, for joining us. We're going to close this one out. Hopefully, uh, you'll be able to join us again in the future when things go a little more smoothly. Always a pleasure. Uh, tomorrow, I'll have several prospects on the CDS Pro Prospects Radio Show. We'll talk about them and their process, and then uh, Jim Coburn and I will either tomorrow or maybe Sunday do a little something, something as well. As always, it's an honor, a privilege, and a pleasure. We'll do this again in one week. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.